I am Grant Gustin, and you're listening to The Flash Podcast. of the Flash podcast, your podcast that is dedicated to CW's The Flash, starring Grant Gustin as Barry Allen slash The Flash. I'm one of your hosts, Andy B, and with me are my co-hosts, Amy Marie and Scott Murray. Hello, everyone. Hi. Welcome back, you guys. It's been a, a long hiatus, and what an episode we, we got back, huh? Pretty sure we just saw the finale. Yeah, this is actually our special season finale of the Flash podcast. There's, don't don't you care about those eight other upcoming episodes? Do they do not exist? Season two will begin in a couple of weeks. But uh, uh, Amy, how did you well, going? That's ex- no, that's exactly where I'm at. I'm sitting here going, wait a second. So if this was episode fifteen, how the heck are we supposed to handle the rest of the season? Because I feel like that was finale material. I clearly should not be allowed to podcast before my fangirl has had a chance to calm herself down. I am I loved everything about this episode. Or I guess you could say it was the finale into the last two minutes and then the reset button was hit and now we're back to the old season again. <laughs> That's kind of where we're at. There you go. Early April Fool's joke is like, no, just kidding, you guys. We're not going there just yet. <laughs> Insane. Oh man. But before we get to this big episode discussion, um, Scott, what is going on with that Flash, Arrow, superhero, team-up, spin-up show? Try to say that three times fast. I'll just leave that to you. Oh, okay, thanks. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, so they're continuing to uh, add characters and familiar faces uh, to this spin-off, the most recent one is Dominic Purcell, who's going to come back and reprise his role as McRory, you know, the uh, pyromaniac uh, side of, uh, uh, was it it's Heat Wave, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to get him, which, which makes sense, because I think they've already announced that um, Captain Cold's going to be in it, so it only makes sense that we're going to get Heat Wave as well. So, yeah, so he's going to join the uh, Arrow Flash spinoff, and um, we can look forward to that. And I'm now beginning to wonder if there are more names to go along with Victor Garber and Brandon Routh and Katie Lotz and all those uh, all the names we know so far that are going to be in this combined spinoff. There was a, a bit of a reveal at um, Paley Fest from one of the interviews that I saw, and they said that they are intending on bringing in previously un, um, unintroduced characters that are in the comic books but have yet to be introduced in the 
in either Arrow or The Flash. And so they're intending on bringing in new characters for this spinoff. So I'm kind of curious who they're intending on bringing in and what their theory behind it is. I, I, they're not giving us any more information. They're being super sneaky about it, and they know that they are. <laughs> yeah, I remember when uh, because um, last week when uh, when I guessed it on Scott's podcast, Assembly Geeks, which you can find over at assemblygeeks.com. Just before we were about to record, I kind of freaked everybody out by saying, "Hey guys, TV line just broke a big casting breakdown of free potential." DC characters and so on. So I sat there and described everything to them, and, they, and everyone was just like, "Huh." So you know, there's there's some ideas of who these other three new characters could be. Uh, I know Variety recently revealed that they're going to be using a major unused DC villain for this show, and um, whatever it's called, um, let's just call you know what? Let's just call it Ganon Soldiers from for right now until we have a, further, a title announcement. I think okay. I think people are just referring to it as the spinoff. Yeah, the spinoff. I wonder. Um, huh, I wonder if if they would be interested in introducing um, Talia Al Ghul, given her definite um, absence in all of the other League of Assassins, Ra's Al Ghul, Nissa Al Ghul family line that's going on. I wonder if her distinct absence is not an accident and if she's going to come in and play a major villain. Because I know that would be a lot of fun and it could certainly be interesting if you bring in Sarah Lance and that. And that'd be, that would be kind of cool. Because I know there's different iterations of Talia. There's Talia when she's not really evil. And then, um, as I understand it, there's Talia when she's actually quite the villain. Yeah, um, well, Talia, she's a complex character like Catwoman, like, you know, we're comparing to other Batman-related characters, but um, one thing that I that I keep thinking about this is that, you know, it's such an interesting lineup they're doing with all of this, and that they're adding now Heatwave or so on, I'm like, I'm excited about this, but I do feel that, you know, it's kind of like, are we just gonna, is this just a show featuring, you know, recurring guest members of both shows as I don't know, like the, all you know the heroes from Aaron of Flash versus the villains of Aaron of Flash like it's basically is that's basically what we're getting I don't know I don't know what we're getting I they're doing very well at not telling us anything they haven't even given us a title yet man uh, Scott what are your thoughts yeah I mean I'm, I've gotten to the point now where I'm 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 just watching it unfold until we know exactly what they're going to do. Ah, uh, yeah. so I think have... it's just inter- it's interesting that they're pulling from both shows, um, which I'm sure is part of a bigger plan in everything they're doing. So um, yeah, I'm just you know, <laughs> after a while you 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 just grow tired of trying to figure everything out and and uh, bal- counterbalance all the rumors and everything, and you just sit back and just wait until they finally tell you what they're doing. Uh, I believe the cause of your pitching here is patience, which I do not comprehend. <laughs> I usually don't either, but after a while it wears me out. So, you know, I've gotten yeah, that way about so the much, Force Awakens. There's only so much theorizing you can do before eventually you're just kind of theory spiraling into the ground and digging your way to China. 
I suppose, yeah. Um, and this this next little tidbit it, it isn't really news, but it is a little shout out to someone very special out there, um, a little kid out there who basically owned Paley Fest last Saturday afternoon. Um, his name is G- G- Gavin Richard. He's also known as Ad Kid Colson on Twitter. And if you were there or if you've seen the video, you'll remember that there's an awesome kid out there that that did the whole "My name is Barry Allen" opening, you know. Like he he knew it. Like he had he didn't read it off. Like he knew it without having to read off paper and so on. And like he he you know he got the he got to go up to the microphone and he instead of asking a question he just said my name is Barry Allen so and then the final thing he said to Grant was like Grant you will always be my Flash and I was like in tears and I'm like this kid is so awesome because you know he's you know you will see him a lot on like Age of Shield related events so so to see him on the Flash thingy was just it melt my heart melted and his dad Sean was just so proud and like so I and I and I promised I was definitely gonna give this kid a little shout out on the podcast this week because he blew me away and he's awesome and look I don't care I'm gonna try and get him on the show for at least a couple of minutes at some point before the season is over because that was just awesome and Amy I know you 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 know Gavin I Scott have you ever heard of uh, said kid Colson or maybe yes. kid kid Flash now maybe we should call him that no it's kid <laughs> yes I have. Okay, well, it was just it was just amazing. So I'm, uh, uh, no, it, it it blew me away. So I no, I just wanted to give that a kid a little shout out. You can follow him at uh, at Kid Colson, and you can follow his dad at Cove Photo. Is that his uh, handler, Amy? Uh, Cof Photo, but um, I would just uh, Kid Colson is um, you can find his dad through the Kid Colson account. Um, and for anyone out there who's like, um, uh, why is an eight-year-old on Twitter? Spoiler alert, it's not actually Gavin. Shh, Amy, don't ruin the surprise. <laughs> um, actually, you know, for all we know, it probably is Gavin. Gavin's a very, very smart kid, so uh, yeah. yeah. Shout out to Gavin. Yeah, shout out to Gavin. Um, but also, you know, we need to give you a little shout out as well, because you rocked the hell out of Paley Fest last week. And we, as you can tell, there's... Anyone who's subscribing to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or YouTube, there's a lot of files out there, right? There's a lot of new files and so on, a lot of interviews that we got to do, and, uh, you know, our own Amy Marie, she was there on spot with her amazing cameraman and got us some really awesome interviews with uh, Grant Gustin and Andrew Kreisberg. Oh, the Andrew Kreisberg one is hilarious because uh, (laughs) she... Even though he doesn't say anything, you get a little scoop out of his face expression when she tries to get something out of the whole multiverse thing. We talked to Candace Pata, Daniel Panabaker, um, Tom Cavanaugh. Although, well, we mostly just listened to Tom Cavanaugh listen him answer one full question, and then he had to go. Um, <laughs> no offense. And then, of course, we also had some Arrow peeps, um, Paul Blackburn and... John freaking Barrowman. <laughs> Sorry, I I love John Barrowman. So, uh, Amy, how was it? And just briefly before we get into this episode, how was it covering um, the Paley Fest? Oh, the, uh, the Paley Fest was phenomenal. The entire casting crew are just oodles of fun. They're so easy to talk to. They're so down to earth. They're incredibly sweet. 
Um, they were just a, you know an absolute blast to talk to. Each and every one of them had their own personality in the interview. Like when Danielle Panabaker and I started talking, I felt like, okay, this girl is so fantastic. We need to go get a cup of coffee and be best friends. And, uh, you know, Carlos and I had a couple seconds to chat and we nerded out about band. We had a band nerd moment. It was, it was a little bit, it was, it was definitely up there on the nerd level. Um, he's, he's more like Cisco than I think anyone gives him credit for. Um, Paul Blackthorne was great. John Barrowman was great. They're all so relaxed and I love that they come there and they don't see it as a chore something that they have to do. They're all there because they want to do it. They want to connect with their fans. They want to share what they can about their characters and their experiences in creating the series. And they're, you know, after having a little bit of fun. I mean, I asked a couple of them. It was National Pie Day. I asked them what their favorite type of pie was. They could have looked at me and been like, that's not a professional question. Why would I answer that? But instead, they laughed and gave me some fun answers. Um, and so I had a great time. Everyone who put on the event, the Lippin Group, is the PR firm that puts together all of Paley Fest, as well as the various publicists of Warner Brothers and uh, the whole team, everybody who was involved at the carpet, did such a phenomenal job of getting a gazillion outlets that are there as many interviews as possible. So I really appreciate everything that everyone who was working the event did for us. I had such a great time and I hope I get to do it again. Fingers crossed. And and everyone, thank you so much for tweeting all your questions and your comments yes. and stuff like that. Um, it was it was definitely fun to you know read all of those questions, you know, from you know last week and whatnot. And um, yeah, so but hey, let's talk about this pretty big episode of The Flash called Out of Time, and it, it marks the introduction of Mark Marden uh, at Liam McIntyre. I think it's McIn- McIntyre. If I say, it's you know McIntyre. Probably McIntyre. McIntyre. Well, screw you, Bo. I'm just going to call him Liam. Um, Liam as Wonder Wizard. Uh, I'm bad with names. So let's, um, Amy, because I know you're a huge Spargus fan, what did you think about Liam as um, Mark Marden, a.k.a. Wonder Wizard? Oh, it's really bizarre for me to see him in jeans. <laughs> actually, it's really bizarre to see him wearing any clothes at all. Because on Spartacus, um, basically, they didn't wear a whole lot of overgarments. And so it was very interesting and a little offsetting at first. I'm like, why is he so fully clothed? He has he has like a jacket on and shoes and, and pants. Um, anyone who's watched Spartacus knows what I'm talking about right now. Mm-hmm. But it was great to, to watch, to hear his voice. I love the, the, he does an evil voice very well. And I loved hearing that kind of deep growling voice that he had. I liked how they created a weather wizard that was basically the avatar. So he was a waterbender. And then later in the episode, he was like a Zula status firebender who could lightning bend. And then he was an airbender at one point. And I'm going to go ahead and say that the tsunami is more like a combo of a waterbender and an earthbender. So really, weather wizard is just the avatar, but cooler, maybe? I don't know know if i'd go that far but it was pretty cool so i really enjoyed that i thought that they did the weather wizard very well i really enjoyed that aspect of this episode and i liked that he's a he was a pretty formidable enemy i mean he got pretty dang close to to doing some damage and he did do some damage he really hurt the captain very significantly 
Um, so I appreciate how good of a villain he was and that he was a step up from his brother because if he had been equal to or even worse than his brother, it wouldn't have been plausible. But this guy has had months longer than than Clyde did to perfect his skill and to, to discover what he'd been able to do. I liked that they made him really a rather firm villain. Scott, what did you what did you think? Uh, I, I, did you watch Spartacus? No, I didn't watch Spartacus, but I did uh, uh, like the villain um, this week. I especially thought the effects for everything he was doing were were pretty darn good. I mean, we've talked about the the quality of yeah. effects on this show many times. This was no exception. Um, and then you know they came up with that tool to uh, to fight him with, and I I loved how. <laughs> When it first got introduced in the lab, Cisco picks it up and he says it's the uh, wizard wand. That I mean, the moment I saw that, I thought that looks like a really cool lightsaber. And sure enough, right? if you watch it, if you watch it, there's a moment where when uh, Barry's holding it, he looks at Cisco and then does a, a quick little lightsaber maneuver and smiles at Cisco and Cisco oh smiles back because they're both thinking the exact same thing I was. <laughs> this would make a badass <laughs> lightsaber. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting that when Joe decided he was going to track down um, the Weather Wizard this time or this time or the, that last time when he ends up on the boat, that he didn't have that tool with him. Did it get lost? Did it get broken? Did something happen to it that I missed? I just found it interesting that he didn't have that with him when he decided to go on his own to face him. Well, that's that's what that was the only thing about this episode that bothered me. Is I'm like Joe, you are smarter than this. Pitting Joe versus Meta without Barry, without his weapon. I think he consciously didn't have it whether it was because he would have needed to make an extra trip to go to Star Labs to pick it up, or whether it was just because he thought he could take down um, uh, Martin on his own. I feel like that was just not a smart decision on Joe's part when Joe knows how dangerous the metahumans can be. And so I don't know if he intended on sacrificing himself, if that was what he was going for, but I feel like that was a really idiotic decision on Joe's part. That was the only thing that I did not like about the episode. I'm, I'm, I think he was, you know, he was, it was, this was definitely an impulsive decision of him. And I don't even know, was he, because he, I don't, I think that by the time they got to the hospital, I don't think they had the wizard wand with him. And by the way, to me, it didn't look like, it didn't look like a lightsaber. It looked like a freaking enormous version of the sonic screwdriver from Doctor Who. But hey, that's just me. <laughs> um, to so, me, it looked like Loki's staff from the Avengers. That's what it reminded me of. So we have a little bit of Marvel. We have a little bit of BBC America. And we, I mean, BBC UK, whatever. And we also have a little bit of Disney with Star Wars. I I loved Liam as Weather Wizard. I, um, I like that he was very much in control. I don't know if they were basing this Weather Wizard much on the New 52 one. Uh, obviously not appearance-wise, because in the New 52, he's now Latina. Uh, but um, the, the, the way they're now doing Weather Wizard with his powers is that his emotions is kind of what's bringing the, the weather out and so And because he's constantly angry, it's always a storm or raining and stuff like that. So I don't know if that's what they were trying to do here, but... I like it that when he came into the show, he was in control. Like he had a couple of months of training and whatnot. Uh, of course, I will. I would have loved to have seen where he was for you know six, seven months. But hey, you know, 
it's television. You don't have time to tell everything on the big on the on the screen. So no, but I liked it. I I think Liam was a great choice, and I think like you said, Amy, that voice. And the thing was that he was. I love when you can have a villain that can be so powerful but yet so calm before he really unleashes his, the hell on you. And like he was like, you know, hi Joe. I believe you've been looking for me, and then just boom. But he's still like calm and in control, and I love that. I love that about great villains like him. And um, so I thought it was uh, it was cool. And I will say, you know, nothing against Clyde Martin or anything like that. But you know, this all the effects we got here, the, you know, the writing and the performance. So it was I I did prefer this a lot more. And but it was nice to see Chad Rook for a little cameo at the beginning, just to see what was going on in the plane. Um, when they left, so um, but uh, no, I and I think that like Amy said, he was very formidable. He was a very powerful villain, and I kind of liked that they were, that they kept that element very closely. That and you right in the first episode of having him really cause no pun intended, but a big storm in Central City. That his presence was like godlike, basically. So I liked it because in the comics he is really powerful and so on. And he, I think that out of the rogues, he's definitely one of the more challenging ones. So um, yeah, I, I, enjoy, well, I enjoy yeah, that. it's hard to take down the Avatar, man. Um, stop comparing it to Avatar. It's nothing like Avatar. Uh, he's a waterbender and a firebender and an earthbender and an airbender all in one. He's the Avatar. Amy. Avatar came several, several, several years. This character has existed for, for you know what? While you try to find an argument, why? Okay, Weather Wizard was created in 1959. I don't believe the Avatar was existing by then. Fair. Served. So, what other else? Other than has... the fact that they're not actually following the comic books and are probably pulling inspiration from other places. What do you mean? What, what do you think was different here? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying that they <laughs> that they don't actually follow the comic books to the you know to the T in these shows. Amy, it's not Avatar. They're not doing what a wizard Avatar on the Flash. <laughs> I'm just making a joke. <laughs> I, I know it was just like I was sitting there thinking, wow, she's taking a character that has existed for almost sixty, seventy years and comparing to something that only came up like set eight years ago, something like that. Although I will say that it. Avatar, like it's the TV shows, they do look really impressive for uh, American animated shows. So, um, hey, Scott, what else happened in this episode? Well, as expected, the uh, w- w- you know we we started to take things to a whole new level when it came to finding out more about Doctor Wells. Before we had the hiatus, they they teased us and told us that we were going to get some answers, and it all kind of started when uh, Iris. Uh, you know, was shared, uh, you know, her partner shares um, some new information regarding Wells and Stags and uh, the photos of Dr. Wells um, being seen before uh, Stags disappears. And then Iris goes and uh, talks to Barry about it. And then Barry talks about it at the lab. And then everybody starts talking about it. And then Cisco takes everything to a whole new level and starts messing around with uh, the, uh, the field, uh, the containment field. And that's when uh, things really come unglued um, as far as uh, um, really kind of unraveling what uh, Dr. Wells is up to. Um, well, as as uh, Caitlin was having to keep Dr. Wells occupied 
at a coffee shop and he clearly knows that something's going on. Uh, part of it's because she's not doing a very good job hiring how little nerved she is. Uh, and it all, it all just blows up the moment she decides to go and uh, get the coffee to go, turns around and just the chair is there. <laughs> and Dr. Wells is gone. I feel like th- this was the moment where I knew something was something very big was going to happen. I mean, we knew that there was going to be time travel involved in this episode. We knew that there was going to be a lot happening. I did not think as much that happened in tonight's episode was going to happen. And I feel like the only reason that that Harrison Wells would have revealed himself in that instance was out of desperation. And so I would have been very, very curious to see that timeline, which we obviously are not going to be able to see continue, continue. I would have been very interested to see what Caitlin's reaction had been. She obviously put two and two together, but we're never going to get a chance to see her really react to what happens because as we know now, we go back in time and that scene is never going to happen. So Caitlin is not going to find out about Wells at least that way. But I thought that was very that that was the moment when I was watching the episode and I go, okay, shiz is about to go down because if he just revealed himself to Caitlin, we are about to really get into some trouble. Something big is about to happen, and obviously that those next fifteen minutes qualified as something really freaking big. It was interesting to see how much they. I mean, it really was something to see just how much they did fit in this episode. Because I, I was in the same boat. As we got about three, yeah. about halfway, almost 60% through the episode, I began to think, okay, all that stuff they showed us before the hiatus is obviously going to come later and not today. And then, boom, there it all is <laughs> in the last few minutes. I'm like, holy crap, they're really going to shove this in at the end. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a heck of a way to, to uh, round things out. I, I will say that the whole... And there's there was a lot of things that happened in this in this arc with Harrison Stone because you knew that you, we as fans and viewers we knew that okay it's about to happen tonight but you had no idea like who he was gonna hurt who he was gonna torture what he was gonna do um, I am still processing the fact that he killed Cisco Ramon. <laughs> And the fact that Cisco was crying, and apparently it, that was not scripted. Cisco nope. was yeah, so uh, it was not in the episode. He was not in the script. He was not crying. So I was like, <laughs> I was like Tom Cavanaugh. I, I, you know, I just w- wish I could squeeze that head, head of yours right now <laughs> because it it was a huge shock, and um, and uh, but it was. It was gut wrenching, and so on. I just seeing you know because we'd seen in the trailer before that that. Harrison was going to sit in front of Caitlyn and then just disappear. But was he going to, like, stop time so that he could, like, you know, take her somewhere? Like, we we didn't know. So, um, I wish Caitlyn, you know, can I nitpick a little bit for just one second? I, it did scratch my head a little bit that she would just, like, oh, let me just go get these cups of coffee and whatnot. It's like, girl, you didn't need coffee. You needed to keep your eye on him. But, but no, but that's, you know, 
it's fine. I'm, you know, I'm. She, she had no idea that he was the the man in the yellow suit. I think she at that point she thought that oh they have a connection. What shocked me about that whole Harrison and Cisco scene was all of all the things that that Harrison said. So let's kind of break them down. First off, he re- revealed who he is. He revealed that he is an ancestor of Eddie Thawne. And he calls him a distant relative. And later in that that scene, he says something a lot. He says something blah 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 centuries, which means he is not just from the future. He is from a far future, a very very far future. Next thing we realized is that he is trapped in the past. Somehow something happened, and he is now trapped in the past from you know fifteen years or for these fifteen years. Um, we discover so that's that's his connection with Eddie. We discover that he was trapped in the past. But what shocked me and what's a little bit confusing to me is that he reveals he came back in time to kill Barry. There's two things I can't figure out. One, if he needs Barry to get back to the future, why would he try to kill him? And two, which Barry was he talking about? Was he talking about the Barry Allen that was trying to save his mom? Or was he talking about Barry Allen, the kid? I think he meant the Barry Allen that was trying to save his mom. I tend to believe it was the kid. Because what if the Barry Allen who he was fighting was a Barry Allen that came back in time to stop Harrison Wells from killing his younger self? (sighs) Great Scott. And Barry's mom just got caught in crossfire. Great Scott. Time travel is... Oh, Scott. Sorry. No, I did not mean to use your... Doc Brown, a damn time travel is complicated. We just got to think three dimensionally. I love it. <laughs> wow, you make it so simple. You, no. should, you should have told it to Marty McFly before oh. he went into the DeLorean and went to see his younger parents. <laughs> I knew that there was something else I was missing. In that, ba- in that scene, there was also one other thing that he said. He said he needed to get back to his time, his world. And you guys know me. I've been a huge proponent of of the theory of multiverses and alternate universes. And so is his time in our world or is his time in a completely different alternate universe or a multiverse? Could that Barry Allen that came back in time to stop him from killing the younger Barry Allen have actually been from an alternate universe or from this universe? Who knows? I just I love it. I love Everything that they did, I think time travel is fascinating. And that probably that fetish probably came from Star Trek Voyager, which love which loved playing around with time travel. But I love everything about the time travel thing, and I love that it gets us thinking because now, even though we know who Wells is, we still haven't figured everything out. And I like that. I like that the writers and the executive producers have been able to give us a whole bunch, but not actually reveal their whole hand. And so I'm I'm so in love with everything that they did in this episode. Well, and Andy, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, there there are some good consistencies, but also some, uh, you know, things that are very, very different about who Dr. Wells is, is Eobard Thawne. Um, there's some consistency with uh, his history as Reverse Flash in the comics, but clearly there, there are some elements here that are going to make things a little different. I believe they're they're doing what, they, what they've done with Barry, which is they've, you know, they're, 
a lot of you know a lot of people will say this that they're basically they in this show they've basically taken a little bit of Wally and kind of merged it with with Barry and I think in this case what they're gonna do here is that they're gonna merge a little bit of Hunter Zolomon, one of the other reverse flashes with Eobard Fawn. And I commend you by the way for being able to say that name because it took me almost six months to be able to able be close to pronouncing it right. So props on you, Scott. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're doing something. It's something different, but because the whole tw- and it depends. The whole thing with him wanting to go back and kill Barry. Well, like Amy said, which Barry? Because there are two Barry Allens in that in that in that house that night. So it is a big mystery for sure. So I, mm-hmm. but I can safely say that they're definitely they're adapting things from the comic book, but they're also doing something new so that people that have never read the comic can also you know flow you know go with the flow if you know what I mean. Well, uh, Russ Burlingame with uh, ComicBook.com has posted a pretty good in-depth breakdown of who he is, uh, how it ties to the comics, and how it it's uh, how they're going to have to try to balance some of it um, on the TV show. Just FYI, so some of those um, posts. Yeah, Russ is a good friend of the show. He's been on the show, talked about the speaker and so on. So no, I I read some of that before the show um, the show actually aired. And I had a hint that one of these two are going to be revealed tonight. That this one of these two names. Can can you pronounce Eobard Fawn? Uh, I can you can you spell it to me, and then I can try to pronounce it because I still I feel like I need to read it first before I can pronounce it because I don't feel like I've understood what anyone has said tonight. I don't even think I got how Harrison said it. Yeah, I don't even know how to spell. Like I would, this episode just wrecked me, so I don't even know how to spell it anymore. But um, but there's um there's a second part of this that we should probably you know we probably discussed this our you know we discussed it a couple of minutes ago, but. What did Harrison reveal, Scott, about his last name? Well, all he really said was he was a distant relative of Eddie. I mean, as soon as he said his name, I mean, Cisco immediately picked up on the connection. But he didn't say much more than that. Could Eddie be Eobard's father? Well, they're related. I'm still confused <laughs> on who... Is this, is this like... Is this, what? I'm still confused. Who's Eobard or... Ed, it sounds like Erebor, which I know is—I'm <laughs> pretty sure—a dwarf kingdom in Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> I, no, Erebor is a dwarf, something or another in the Hobbit. Yeah, no, uh, Eobor. I think Eddie could possibly be Harrison's father, and that, or at least you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe at least you know, like you know, one of the top of the the Fawn family lineage if you know what i mean maybe he's like you know the great great grandfather of eobor because like you said amy eobor is not only from the future but he's from a very very further further future and so on so it you know it's it's not really like i know we can't get we can't get too much into it because it's it's a big mystery but it's like i do sense that eddie has a very big purpose now like you know, even though we knew that his, he is somewhat involved with this. Well, the only the only thing I ended up thinking about is how does this tie to the part in the Paley Fest trailer where we see Eddie gun down two officers? Yeah, no. But does anyone have any fears before we move on? No, no. I I know that uh, they have um, already said there's there's going to be some um, interesting scenes between the two of them, I believe. So we're going to find out more at some point. 
There's going to be a storyline there somewhere. Well, I think we had heard at Paley Fest that West Allen fans, so fans of Iris and Barry getting together, were going to love this episode. And, you know, at the beginning of this episode, when they had that totally awkward bowling date, you could actually feel the awkward in the <laughs> in the scene. It was it was bad. And I appreciated during that episode when Eddie told Iris, he's like, look, I'm not comfortable with this relationship you've got going on with Barry. Frankly, I found it very refreshing, confronted her directly and said, I'm not comfortable with this. Because I feel that so often we see characters kind of burying their thoughts and then they just don't mention it and all of a sudden they break up and you know, but anyway, so I, I found that section refreshing. Then as the episode progresses, we see Harry and Iris getting very close. And of course, they're coming together over the the fear of their father, who at this point, you know, Martin has kidnapped. And, he, you know, when he grabs her face, and when he decides he's going to come with her, and then ultimately, when he kisses her, and then reveals to her to be the Flash, that was such a big moment. And that was on top of everything else that's happened and at this point Cisco had already been killed this is where I'm sitting there going okay s- it, something's going on and I had not actually seen any of the trailers for the upcoming things so in my mind I had kind of accepted that Cisco may have actually just died and Ash writers and writing staff had decided to do that and I'm like that would have been genius but you know obviously they're not going to kill off one of their big three um, but the moment where Barry reveals himself to be the Flash to Iris, he says, this is not the way I wanted you to find out. And I almost wanted to be like, well, how did you want her to find out? By by saving the day? Because you're about to save the entire city. By saving her father? By saving her life? Because you're about to do both. <laughs> um, and I'm curious, again, we're never going to see that future play out. But I would have been fascinated to see Iris's reaction to Barry's revelation because we actually see her for a second. She looks not disgusted, but she looks, um, for, for the very briefest of seconds, she looks betrayed. Like, how could you have not told me who you are? But um, I, I loved everything that happened with them. Obviously, we're going back in time. So now, now we're going to change everything. If Barry season changing the future he's going to save joe he's going to save cisco he's going to save the city but ultimately he's probably going to lose iris and so i think it's going to be very fascinating to see if it's going to take much longer for them to get back together again which technically never happens because we've now changed the future so technically they never actually got together so there's your little time travel warp of what's happening with that ship <laughs> okay well what did you guys think about Barry's revelation to Iris. Yeah, you know, it was. <laughs> this was interesting because I, I, I we're talking about all the things they managed to fit into this one episode. Um, I, you know, just just from a flow standpoint, originally I thought, man, they're accelerating this conflict between Barry and Eddie fast. It was, mm-hmm. it was so calm and so it was awkward at times, but calm. And now all of a sudden out of the clear blue, because of one little bowling trip, which by the way, I saw that coming. I knew the moment they walked in there, <laughs> they were going to run into the two of them. I don't know why it was just a sixth sense. And it's just, I just thought, wow, they are really amping this up fast. And then they are really amping up the comfort zone of um, of 
of Barry still talking about Iris and Iris still talking about Barry. And I actually even thought it was a kind of a wild moment for her to finally just come clean. I mean, the, the world's about to, I don't know if it's because it's just one of those classic, this might be our last night on earth and I'm going to just tell this to you or something. But I found that to be kind of a crazy place to finally, uh, you know, with, with the tsunami heading for everybody for her to, uh, out of nowhere, uh, just, just spill that. Um, but at the same time, I, I did like it, him uh, revealing to her that he was the flash the way he did. Um, and yeah, you hit the reset button and now all that's for naught, except Barry now knows how Iris feels, but she no longer knows that she told him that. So that's going to be a tough thing for him to live with. Damn it, Scott. That didn't, that didn't strike me till just now. That's a really good point. That's the, that's the problem about knowing the future is that in his case, it's one student. Oh, that is very good. Damn it, Scott, you ruined everything. <laughs> I what? <laughs> you're, you're, oh my god, it was Dallin fan in me is an emotional gut-wrenching moment right now because now that he knows, is that going to make him want to hold himself back now or is he going to you know, go full on with it because, damn it, why are you so smart? <laughs> I'm just putting myself in his shoes and what he's going to have to deal with. Well, okay, just to put my two cents on this. Um, look, the fanboy and we screamed so loud when when they kissed. Um, I was just so happy for That's it. That's what that was. Oh, <laughs> so you you heard it? Yeah, I heard it. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, no, but I I I I, I um. I love Barry and Iris and so on. So when that moment happened, like, I, like, look, I wanted to go back to my bedroom and just jump up and down on my bed and, like, put on, like, I'm so excited and just, you know, like, just, you know, draw and, you know, write West, West Allen with the hashtag on my walls everywhere. But, um, but yeah, so and to tie this into our final discussion point before we start wrapping it up, so this thing up is that um, as Barry tries to save the city, from uh, Weather Wizard's weathering, he goes back in time and is stuck now what, to the, at the point where he was uh, when he saw himself at first. Damn. Damn, that's all I had to say. I was like, they just like gave us like. Well, that's... Go ahead, Andy. Um, I was like, damn, they just gave us like an 85% of the season finale and then they just like, nope, let's just reset this. We still have eight more episodes and reset. Well, it just means you are going to be that much more on the edge of your seat as this season progresses because now you know stuff that everybody else doesn't, except for maybe Barry knows some of it. But even he doesn't even know what happened with Wells. But we do. So now everything that you watch unfold from this point on is going to have a little extra tension because you now know things that some of the other characters don't. Well, yeah, and we know what Wells is capable of now. We see him admit that he practically considers Cisco a son. He is going to kill him to risk or to to avoid his secret getting out in the, in the open. And I think that's the moment where we really get to see the true Wells. All up to this well, point, we've kind of seen this. It's almost like a convoluted kind of Wells. Because we've seen what he's willing to do. We've seen him be pretty malevolent and evil before. Malevolent and evil before. Is that the right word? Am I using the right word? 
like Maleficent. I, we've seen him be evil before. Kind We've also seen him do good things to protect Barry. But at this point, we finally, in my opinion, see his true purpose for being there. And we know that what he's doing for Barry is not for Barry. It's entirely for himself. And so he is literally the most self-centered, selfish character on the show. And we got to see how far he's going to go to to get to that point, to get back to his time and his world. Well, I, I know that when I was looking at the TV line breakdown of what happened, um, Kreisberg said that um, Ibrard Thon himself is not an evil man. That he has a reason for doing what he's doing, and he has an agenda. He thinks of himself as a hero. He says there's nothing he said in that scene to Cisco that isn't the truth. He's sorry he found out. He's sorry it has to happen, but it does have to happen. He said there's a scene in episode 16 which mirrors this scene that speaks to that. And Tom Cavanaugh also echoed that statement. Um that Wells is furthering his agenda, but he's also furthering Barry's agenda. Those two agendas are simpatico. So he's working with them. He's appreciative. All that stuff you see is not a mustache-twirling, villainous starting point. It's actually genuine. We're trying to accomplish something, and for the first season, we're accomplishing it together, which makes it a little more heartbreaking when the next phase of the plan starts to happen. And I... And I think that's, you know, unless anyone has a last favorite to throw out there, I, I guess that could be our stop point for this episode discussion. Um, unless someone wants to bring up one last thing before we get to some quick feedback. No, I just want a lightsaber that looks like the <laughs> wizard wand. You're going to celebration in a few weeks. You're going to get a lightsaber. Right? <laughs> yeah, just what I need. You should get a red one. That has a lightning bolt on it. Oh, no, no, no. If it's a lightsaber, it has to be green. Let's get some quick feedback from our dear listeners. And so, Scott, what did they have to say about this week's episode of Flash? All right. Well, Derby Kid, we know Derby, we know Derby Kid. Uh, she said, so impressed with how brave Cisco was for confronting Reverse Flash. Awesome episode, full of reveals and intrigue. like how she said that because it... it, it- Cisco is very brave. That is a very good point because he is at this point he had to know at least to some degree what the reverse flash was capable of. That's that's a very good point. I didn't think about the fact that I mean we we know that that we saw Cisco become vulnerable. We saw him be hurt. We saw him um you know his life torn apart right in front of his eyes, but he was ultimately he was very brave and confronting him. Have shied away from it, but he he looked towards Reverse Flash and he said, "Bring it on!" He said, "Let me find the truth," and I really admire that. At Alex underscore Chapman said, the, uh, "Epic and incredible episode. Show continues to rise up several notches. Love this show." Mike Weaver eight hundred says, "Dude, in a show of great episodes, this was the best episode yet." Was that not a great job of acting by Carlos Valdez in the death scene? So emotional. Hashtag the Flash. Geodude ninety six says the whole things the whole thing with Wells and Cisco did not expect that. Uh, Geek by Week says I'm guessing Barry just undid the Wells Thons work. What an episode. Jay Hool eighty eight says 
can we all time travel to the future so we can watch next week's episode? <laughs> like that comment. <laughs> At 2BGPod says, I don't even know how to react. I can't believe how much was in that episode and how many places it could go. At Starla5336556. Everybody get that? <laughs> Say it three times fast. <laughs> It's almost as bad as 01189998998. That emergency number they dial on the IT crowd. <laughs> it's almost that challenging. What do they have to say? Starla says definitely Cisco dying. What freaked you out the most about the, was what freaked her out the most about the episode and Barry time traveling. Will he find a way to go back or will he relive that day? Bye next week. I want to I I, I'm not kidding. I literally, I want to sit down and write a continuation of the 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 time stream that happened in this episode, which again, we're never going to see. I mean, who knows? We may see it, but I feel like we're not going to. I would be so interested to sit down and see if the writers had a plan or just kind of come up with my own, but I love that. One of the tweets that you read earlier, Scott, um, brought up a really good point that it reminded me of a point that I wanted to bring up that we didn't really discuss on the, or we sort of discussed. They did pack a whole bunch in, but personally I felt that they paced it really well. And I know Scott, you said you felt like the, the Barry Iris thing felt a little fast paced to me. It actually didn't. I think that I agree with you. I think that Eddie hating Barry part was probably a little fast paced, but at the same time, it was also pretty realistic. Um, when you're in a relationship and you can tell very clearly that the person you're in a relationship with has a thing for someone else. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And so I think that once he saw that, it spiraled pretty quickly. It snowballed. And he was able to tell very rapidly that Iris was not as into him as he, as he was into Barry. So I thought the entire thing was incredibly well-paced. And the amount of stuff that they put in there, it really was. It was like a finale. I don't see how they. <laughs> I don't see how this is going to be episode fifteen, and we still have what eight more to go. It's it's crazy. They just they nailed it. I'm so happy. Who was the writer for this episode? Do we know? Because uh, they deserve like a hug and a flower basket and a bottle of wine. I don't know. And muffins. But, but you can probably just tweet at the flash uh, at flash TV writers, and I'm sure you could just you know send all the love to them and so on. Uh, because I don't have it in front of me right now, but um, but. Um, but yeah, no, but they did, they did a good job. But no, guys, thank you all so much for your feedback about this week's episode of The Flash. Uh, you know how to always participate in the feedback section. Just tweet us at The Flash Podcast or email us at theflashpodcast at gmail.com. And we will read as many as we can uh, each week. So, but let's get some plugging and then a quick, no pun intended, spoiler section. Theflashpodcast.com, that's where you can find our show um, and uh, all the information about our shows, including now interviews that we have and, you know, news about the podcast and, you know, as you know, as much as we can do on the website whenever we can. Uh, find us on uh, social media under The Flash Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, now also Vine, where Amy got some very fun Flash charades. We should... I have an, I have an idea. I have <laughs> an idea. charades is going to be a thing. Yeah, we're going to... Oh, we're gonna, we're going to talk after this. So uh, you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Make sure to take a few minutes to just rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. It does help us a lot when you do that. So um, 
and also remember that it's going to play in a huge part of our giveaway that we're doing pretty soon of uh, Flash giveaways uh, of San Diego Comic-Con bags from last year. And, uh, yeah, you know, you can also find um, the the guy who did our amazing theme song, Mike Schmidt, over at uh, his uh, Flash Oprah on SoundCloud.com slash Flash Oprah. Visit um, the Mixed Radio Network, where we're part of... Um, uh, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. And, uh, yeah, visit our good friends over at zaptoid.com for um, all your greatest greatest TV coverage and stuff like that. So, Scott, talk about Assembly of Geeks for a minute. Uh, yes, Assembly of Geeks. Uh, we just launched, uh, of course, we have our normal show. Um, we wrapped up the Peggy Carter podcast a couple weeks ago, but we just launched a new podcast called Drinks and Geeks which is going to be a variety. We're just going to basically focus on a variety of topics, but just one topic per show. So we're going to spend an entire 30 or 40 minutes uh, talking about one thing. And the very first episode just um, went live, and we have uh, Amy Ratcliffe, Dan Zier, and Pete Morrison on to discuss the first season of Star Wars Rebels. It's a very, very good discussion from three very... uh, Star Wars-y mind, pe- minded people uh, that follow this stuff and had some really good opinions to share. Um, and uh, this week on the show, we have a very in-depth discussion on whether or not a movie can ruin your childhood. Because that's the thing people say these days, that ruined my childhood. And Paul Feig has been getting comments like that ever since he announced he's making an all-female Ghostbuster. So we just decided to talk about whether that's actually possible for a movie to ruin your childhood. It's a fun discussion. Interesting. Um, and uh, Amy, where can people find you on the internet aside from uh, Assembly Geeks and uh, Flash and so on? Like, um, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Amy underscore Marie 97 on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm also a frequent guest contributor to Scene and Nerd. Oh, I love those guys. Scene and then the letter N, Nerd. Um, they're a lot of fun. That was actually that. That's that's the place where I had my most my my most theory spirals is what I call it when I just start theorizing and then I keep going and going and going until I've created an entire storyline of a theory. Um, so that was where I first came up with the future future Barry uh, theory, which was sadly not true. My theory was that there were actually two versions of Barry Allen fighting in the room with his mother, which is not true. So that was the only, th- I was like, no, that didn't come true. But you know what? doesn't matter because tonight's episode was amazing. Okay. So we sadly, we lost Amy, um, in the, rec- um, in the, at the ending and so when her Skype just crashed. So, and she can't come back. So it's only going to be me and Scott doing the spoiler section now for, for this episode. If you're not sticking around for the spoiler section for our teammates, Amy Marie, Lauren Galloway, Adam Holmes, Chris Duker, and Steph. I'm Andrew Bike. I'm Scott Murray. And we will see you next week on the Flash Podcast.
ruptured the time continuum. Yeah, it's like I'm living it all over again. How did you find me? I just had a hunch. This new ability of yours, Barry, is dangerous. Whatever tragedy you think you've just averted, time will find a way to replace it. Wait, Colin is back? I thought you and I were friends. You were right. I screwed with time, and now time is screwing with me. Who is the Flash? And welcome back to the spoiler section of the Flash Pocket. What you just heard, what you just heard, was the audio for the trailer for next week's episode called Rogue Time. And Scott is going to read your official description, and we're going to talk about what's going to happen next week. Next week, next week's episode is called Rogue's Time. Captain Cold and Heatwave return to Central City. Peyton List guest stars as Lisa Snart, and uh, which is cool because we we got a little tease of that as well, if I remember correctly, before the hiatus. Mm-hmm. So, the Flash learns that Captain Cold and Heatwave have returned to Central City. This time, Snart has brought along his baby sister, Lisa, to help wreak havoc on the city. John Baring directed this episode with the story by Grianne Godfrey and teleplay by Brooke Eichemeyer and Kai Yu Wu. Yeah, and this is uh, the episode that will introduce the famous... Golden Glider character to the Flash universe, or at least in this show, she's only going to be known as Lisa Snart with uh, a big ass gun, <laughs> as we saw yeah. in the trailer. <laughs> Seriously, that was like, whoa, that was big. Um, no, but I'm I'm looking forward to see Peyton Liss join the DC universe as um, you know a pretty famous DC villainess, and uh, I'm, but I'm mostly interested to see the repercussions now of what happened in um, episode 15, and I'm going to see uh, how much this plays into in this episode. Well, um, you know, I, if again, if I'm if my head is remembering everything correctly, I mean, uh, Barry's the only one who knows certain things about the future. Everybody else has gone back to, to normal. So, um, he's the only one that knows anything at this point. Um, so, it's, you know, he's going to, he can't be walking around telling everybody what he what happened. I mean, of course, the only thing that he knows, the only thing that really played out for him was him telling Iris uh, that he's the Flash and she telling him how she felt about him. Um, so really, now that he's gone back in time, he's, he's just got to, he's just got to pick it up and move forward. And we have to see if anything, you know, just how much changes and how much stays the same as they go through that time period again. I, I echo what you were saying and it's going to be, no, it's gonna be interesting to see. Like you know, it's gonna be one of those first times for me in a in a while when it comes to television of seeing an episode that is following another, you know, a previous episode that has just dealt with time travel and whatnot. So that's gonna be intriguing to see how it plays out and and what Harrison will be up to next. You know, now that he well in in this new timeline, if if you know no one starts suspecting Harrison again like they did in this episode, then no one is gonna die. No one is gonna be getting up from a chair while being at Jetters and all that. Um, but, uh, no, but I'm looking forward to it. And, um, yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, Amy will be joining us for that episode again. And then uh, we will we will see what, what craziness will take place next because they did so much in this one that I'm, like, I don't even know how to top this. I don't even know how they can do it. But I'm, you know, with the amazing staff that they have uh, in writing and actors and stuff like that, I think we're in for a blast. So, uh, 
But everyone, thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode of the Flash Podcast. Uh, enjoy all the interviews that are up on the website, on YouTube and iTunes and so on. And um, let us know what you thought of them. And um, yeah, keep the conversation going about the Flash. Um, our Facebook group is still available. It's not going to go away anyway. So, um, so yeah, thank you everyone so much. And until next time, have a good one. And we'll see you in a flash.